0: Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast, people. We love you. Uh, On tonight's show, Chase Cedar, cryptocurrency blockchain expert. This is a really intelligent young dude. We go into all things crypto. He attempts to explain, in uh, layman's terms, how the blockchain works. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency that I'm sure you've all heard of. Uh, This was the first currency to utilize the blockchain. Uh, technology. He explains the difference between cryptocurrency and what blockchain is and how the two work together. He goes into a bunch of detail on why decentralized currency has value and where he thinks it's going in terms of parts of the world that will use it and how it will be used. We talk a lot about Facebook trying to get into the game as well with their Libra coin, whether he thinks they are going to be a dominant player in this space or not. What is something that I found really interesting is that public are starting to use this blockchain technology already, and I didn't really understand how or where this was being utilized. And he kind of gives his predictions on how it is going to become more and more common for normal people to utilize this storage system as well. He is a super intelligent dude. This was a very big learning experience for myself and producer Carl. He uh, runs a couple companies. One, the Koi Research Group, which is a cryptocurrency counsel, uh, consulting business, and Blockwise, which is a nonprofit blockchain advocacy and education initiative, which is a mouthful. Uh, very, very fun podcast tonight. I hope you find a ton of value from it. If you do, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. Later. Going on,
1: Chase? Not much.
0: Thanks for coming on the show, man. I'm super pumped. I know Carl has been looking forward to this for a long time.
1: Is Carl really into blockchain cryptocurrencies or what?
0: Carl is ultra curious.
2: I like to pretend that I understand, but <laughs> I'm I'm just super glad you're here. <laughs> I
0: asked him a few questions before the show.
2: Yeah.
1: Started sweating a bit.
0: One was: Do you know what quantum computing is? And he looked at me, he's like, Oh, n- no.
1: That one's really hard to explain. A little adjacent to blockchain.
0: So I posted something on Instagram today just saying, like, if anyone has questions about blockchain, crypto, shoot me a message and I'll fire them out tonight. And one of the guys asked, <laughs> you can answer this or not, but I just think it's a funny question because I don't understand even how to say it. Um, how will quantum computing affect the integrity security of the blockchain?
1: Good, great question.
0: Is that a good question? It is a good question. Should we start there or should we start a little more basic?
1: Um, we, we can start there. I'm happy starting there, but that all is right. definitely not basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically the encryption methods that secure all of Bitcoin and digital currencies, blockchain for the most part, is can be attacked using quantum computing okay. um, in a way that basically it would render all, everything built using this encryption method to be useless and okay. um, for anyone who has use of this quantum computer that fast.
2: So just because computers aren't able to do that right now, that's why the blockchain is so secure? Pretty much,
1: yeah. Um, but even a quantum computer, we have quantum computers now. They can't do it. They're worlds away still from doing it. They, they still ha- Quantum computing is a big leap, but it itself needs to make a big leap before it can challenge uh, the encryption methods of blockchains and even when we're like close they'll be like wait we need a new encryption method <laughs> or maybe the quantum computer would be doing some sort of defense against other quantum computers but this is definitely like seven <laughs> levels above where we need to be at the moment yeah, let's start <laughs> it's bit, easier. yeah let's start a little bit easier i think for a lot of
0: people you hear these terms blockchain cryptocurrency bitcoin of course yeah. and they don't really understand how they work together but can you maybe just define the two Separately, so blockchain versus cryptocurrency.
1: Yep. So let's start with Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the first real known digital currency. There was Mm -hmm. other attempts, but nothing that used this blockchain. So there was digital currencies before, but they were just using a database and you still had to trust a person or a company to make sure that that dollar value of coins is actually held by that company. Yeah. Um, Whereas with Bitcoin, they they kind of just said, hey, we need a digital money, um, but no one can own it. Um, the reason no one can own it is because whoever owns it will corrupt it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and it needed to run in such a way that multiple people needed to know who owns what Bitcoin at any point in time. Okay. So they created this ledger system. So a ledger, same thing a bank uses to understand who owns what dollars or whatever currency you're working with. Sure. Um, well, a blockchain is a, I mean, Bitcoin's blockchain is a simple ledger that keeps track of who owns what bitcoin So, blockchain was built because
0: this idea of bitcoin was created
1: yes okay. bitcoin is the first implementation of a blockchain on a on a wide scale for sure it was like the first real introduction of it okay yeah
0: okay let's start with crypto then okay <clears throat> um <clears throat> we talked before the show just about some of them having backing in terms of like cash or u.s dollars or whatever it was be. But Bitcoin does not. Nope. So to me, it seems more of like a stock in today's terms, not a currency. But how is it a currency?
1: Like what value does Bitcoin have? Yeah. Or
0: how is 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 the value interpreted?
1: Well, usually the best way to (laughs) answer the question is, well, where does the Canadian or US dollar come from? It comes from this belief that it's exchangeable and represents value that you can exchange for someone else's value somewhere else. Sure. The dollar really has no value, but at the beginning it was backed by gold and then they just scaled it off gold. And then it's like, that's just this paper that you use to represent value. Um, Well, Bitcoin, yeah, it had no value at the beginning, but people that have a use for it have a demand for it. So for instance, I need to pay designers in India. Bitcoin's now illegal in India because uh, it'll probably put their main bank out of business (laughs) (laughs) from all the international payments and freelancers and everybody in India. Um, But if it wasn't illegal and I want to pay my design team, all I have to do is send Bitcoin from an address to an address. Now, because it's illegal, I couldn't do that. I've gone through so many different methods to try to figure out how to send a simple value to get my design work done. And they're a great team. I want to keep working with them. But it's so cumbersome using the banks. I actually went to RBC. And like, I said, here's their banking information. Here's the IFSC code and all the other stuff you need yeah. to, to you know, send this bank wire. And they're like, great, we can't do it. I was like, it's your bank. <laughs>
2: and you're sending it to another bank in India.
1: Yeah. I think there's only one main bank in India. If I, yeah, I, <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> There's one bank, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> um, yeah, it it was just really frustrating. And this is an example from last month. <laughs> this isn't the first time that this this you know, problem has come up in my life. And that's just one simple example of like, I need to send value and I don't want anybody in the way. I don't want anybody to tell me it's going to take a few days or it's in transit or, mm. oh, it's gone. It's missing. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find it. Find it? What? Like, No. <laughs> Let my value, my Bitcoin, whatever it is, just go from directly from person to person. So that's really where the, the value. And the demand of people that need that is where the demand of Bitcoin comes from. As long as people still need to be buying it, then there's demand for it. However, <laughs> when people see that the, this innovation is coming about, and it's going up in value. People speculate on the value and they go, wow, this is great. Everyone's going to use this. I'm going to buy a whole bunch now and not use it for that purpose at all and just hold on to it because everyone else is going to use it for that purpose. And the value will keep going up, mm-hmm. which is somewhat true. But that's why you see these huge right, swings right. up and down as people just get way too excited and then crashes down to everyone's not excited at all anymore. And
2: <laughs> you, you said that uh, India made Bitcoin illegal?
1: Wow, well, that's what my design team so, told me. But like, what is, what does that
2: mean, right? If it's decentralized, if it's all peer to peer, yeah. How does that like being illegal? How do, how does that affect Bitcoin in India?
1: Great question. Um, yeah, you, they can't stop it at all. Like, my design team in India could create a wallet, and I can send it to it. Yeah. Or I could create the wallet, send it to them, give them the password to the wallet, the private key to get in, and voila, they now have access to this this money. But. I think it's when you try to exchange it back into their local currency and and send it to the bank account, it might raise a red flag, and they can try to stop all the onboard and off on ramps and off ramps.
0: Is that becoming more common? Countries having issues with it?
2: Not necessarily. Like I think they're just not ready for it, and they don't know what to do about it.
1: Yeah, every country's kind of taking it differently. Like Mm. smaller countries are embracing it because. Mm. Like, especially smaller countries in the EU, because they're already using someone else's currency. Right. But if you're someone like Venezuela, where your currency is already, you know, not quite stable, and then people are switching to Bitcoin, it just makes it more unstable. So it, it can create problems as people flee away from something they don't trust anymore. Um, and during the Bitcoin's peaks, the value in Venezuela was like 30% higher or 40% higher. Just because the demand locally was, was so much higher
0: how does that make sense <laughs> it's a, also a good question so it's decentralized it's the same throughout the world yeah but in venezuela they're paying 30% more i don't oh, yeah. understand that
1: <laughs> well since it's peer to peer it's yeah. whatever the exchange is being made that that price is being met and there's many places around the world where price is being agreed to so these different exchanges that keep this data public will be like the last trade executed on our trade platform was Bitcoin at twelve thousand dollars. Therefore the price on that exchange at that point in time was twelve thousand dollars. Meanwhile, on another exchange, it could be thirteen thousand dollars. And then in the in the middle, there's the people that make the money from buying from exchange A and selling on exchange B. And those people are called arbitrage usual we'll taking advantage of the arbitrage opportunities.
0: Can you explain an exchange? An exchange And there and there's like hundreds of these yeah more
1: yeah probably more okay De- lots, of, more. lots of
2: sketchy ones lots of sketchy a few <laughs> of them that you like hear in the news that come up like quadriga if you've heard about that the whole mount gox thing too like a few years ago like you hear about these going going up every once in a while
1: yeah quadriga is a nice local story
0: <laughs> in order for me to pay you bitcoin yeah it needs to be through an exchange
1: nope no so that's uh so what's
0: the purpose of the exchange
1: then if you don't know someone you can buy it off of, you need to go to okay. a place where they have a pool like that a you can buy market. it from. It's not, exactly. Yeah, it's the okay. exact same, okay. except no, it's pretty much the exact same. Okay. And you can have a stock traded in other markets that's the same stock. Right. I guess it's probably closer to a commodity in that regard. But
2: now like sure. you, you buy it on this exchange and you're supposed to pull it off and pull it, put it into your own bank, your, into your own hardware wallet. So then it's your own money, right? If you're leaving money on these exchanges, like that's how you lose it. Because they go down, right? Or they disappear. Or they just stop working or whatever. And your money goes poof with it.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: So
0: can we Okay, can yeah. we talk about storage then? Yeah, yeah. perfect. Because that's confusing as well. That's a big issue, <laughs> I feel.
1: Um, so an exchange is doing a service for you. So if we're talking like a commodity, we'll pretend like they're actually holding on to the gold or the oil for you until you show up and take it away from them. Sure. Now, that creates some you know, custodial issues if these people are holding all these assets that are yours that they have full access to. Okay. Actually, when it's a digital currency. Sure. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's essentially the service they're doing is just holding your assets and allowing you to exchange with others in one place. Um, and yeah, it does create issues. What you're supposed to do is make the exchange peer to peer or on exchange. Then you send it from that wallet to a wallet y- only you have the keys for. You have this thing called the you know, seed phrase and the private key to what's your wallet. No one else has access to it. And once it's sent to this new wallet or different wallet, then it's out of the hands of the exchange. And it's yours. No one else can touch it. And these wallets are stored where?
2: And <laughs> your desk, wherever you want. <laughs> so, the- They're like little USB guys it just can be hold
1: them on usbs
2: yeah it can be can be yeah there's different types
1: yeah so to back up make it a little more simple the wallet is all it is is like an account number that's sure. it that's all it is mm-hmm. so this account number lives on the blockchain this database this ledger that everyone you know has access to look at who owns what and what accounts it's all public you can look wouldn't say, you know, my Chase Cedars wallet, it would say one next zero, zero, five, whatever Mm -hmm. long string. But if you knew it was mine, you would look at it and see all the transactions that have come and left from that wallet. It's all public for the Bitcoin blockchain. (laughs) That is.
0: Um, So is that something you want to be fairly private about then? Like if Carl, if Carl's like, hey, I just bought $50,000 worth of Bitcoin.
2: I wish. I'm going to go rob Carl and I'm going to steal his (laughs) <laughs> still is USB if I have it written down a piece of paper you could
1: yep Yeah. so it's Why? like it's all it is you have this wallet address that's like your address like home address mm-hmm. and you have this key which is like your key to your house right if you give that key to someone else they can get in your house it's just a password yeah basically now if you lose your key there is this thing called this thing called a seed phrase which is basically a backup but it's just as valuable as the key and it's just another key okay (laughs) so the hardware comes into place when you want another layer of security so like you have to press a physical button and have the pin to this little usb device to sign the transaction okay and that's where another layer of security comes in because now they literally have to physically have the hardware wallet and know your pin in order to make a transaction or to move money from that wallet
2: if so go ahead. You, uh, so you can store Bitcoin on your computer like in a drive or whatever, but the thing is your computer is, is uh, connected to the internet so it's hackable, right? So right? There's a chance someone has access to it. Right. I forgot my question. <laughs> <Sorry>.
0: <laughs> yeah, you need to... Oh, d- if, if these exchanges go under or yeah. like disappear and yeah. I've got Bitcoin on there, is it mm-hmm. recoverable? Or well, it just disappears?
1: Rodrigo went down... A few months ago, and uh, I'm putting in my claim for my few hundred bucks that <laughs> I'm owed. Um, and that's just because they were able to recover some oh. you know, cash and other valuables. I'm not sure how much, but it's estimated only to be about 10% of what is owed. Jeez. So uh, yeah, everyone's getting a nice slash on there on what they had held in reserves at Quadriga. So Quadriga is just
0: an exchange that people can purchase from. And also yep. leave it stored there. They want to. It's not smart to leave stuff stored on. For YouTube. exactly yeah. this reason. Okay.
1: Yep. But they can't force you to like take it off. I guess they could, but it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's it's in their you know, best interests for you to have those funds easily available to make trades. Right. Because the more trades you make, the more money they make. Right. So they're not gonna say, Hey, everyone move their funds off. We're not secure, because that means they're probably not gonna have fewer users and you know, lower revenues.
2: So people who like day trade and stuff, they just leave their money on exchanges because it's always moving, right? Between exchanges too, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Does do stock exchanges ever have that issue? No.
1: Not the same way. No.
0: The, this is just so new.
1: It's well. It's because it's all digital. And someone could have taken all of the Bitcoin from the exchange three years ago, but as long as they have the float to keep every all the withdrawals processing, people won't really know, right? Because it's all in the on the back end, right? Now, because of everything that's happened, there's new regulations being put in place, and exchanges are being now treated a lot more like banks. They have to get a money service business license, which is like a million dollars a year or something, and they have all of these, you know, duties that now they have to follow which really makes it a lot. It changes the game quite a bit, especially mm. here in Canada.
2: Is there any that you would recommend? Are you trust? Exchanges? Exchanges.
1: Yeah. Um, there's like the biggest one that's trying to go public local, not locally, but in Canada is CoinSquare. They're, but they have decently high fees. So basically the higher the fee, the more money they're making, the more likely they're legit. But at right. the same time, right. if right. you could just go to the cheaper exchange, make your exchange, send it to your wallet right away, then if you know what you're doing it's okay um, the people that are like making large transactions they usually don't go to an exchange they'll do it over the counter or uh, directly peer to peer with someone and now there's not really a as much of a trace or anything there it's the two wallets making an exchange that no one knows the owners of. Where are you finding
0: that information of who has a ton of bitcoin if you're not going through an
1: exchange? There's lots of services that do OTC. So OTC over-the-counter basically means that if you're going to buy or sell, let's say $100,000 of Bitcoin, you're going to move the market. You're going to move the market fairly significantly if it's on a smaller exchange or isn't much volumes in that day. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want to move the market and have to either pay way more on the way up or, or you know, ch- change the price adversely against you. Instead, you just set, on, set a rate. You're like, this is the going rate. Would you like to make the trade at this rate for all of this Bitcoin over the counter? A lot easier. Then you fix a rate too. You don't have to sell it to all the people willing to buy on the way on the way down.
0: Can you explain mining and where <laughs> the Bitcoin comes from?
1: <laughs> okay. So,
0: and is mining across the board in crypto? Or is what it do you specific? mean by
1: across the board? Like, does every cryptocurrency every need miners? Nope no not necessarily okay. but every cryptocurrency needs to be maintained by some sort of a network um, whether it's like you can there are blockchains now being run on you know IBM's platforms that it's technically using blockchain technology but it's mm-hmm. completely on a cloud-based system on a centralized server somewhere so yeah it's a tough question to, <laughs> to answer yes the major all the public cryptocurrencies and like Bitcoin, yes, they they require mining. And the act of mining is using your computing power to essentially make the network really difficult to hack and in exchange you get compensated in Bitcoin.
0: So they're not find, like the term mining sounds like you're finding something. Yeah. So they're not finding new Bitcoin. They they're making kind the of chain are. harder okay. to penetrate.
1: So when they First, created the Bitcoin blockchain. They created an embedded, you know, incentive scheme so that people that mine it get more. Or okay, I'll back up. There are twenty-one million bitcoins ever to be released. There are sixteen and a half million or so released now. Okay. Every block, every ten minutes of information, there's a reward, and all the miners are racing to kind of almost guess a password <laughs> for this reward. <laughs> the reward goes down over time because as Bitcoin's price goes up and becomes more mainstream, the you know, the reward gets bigger and bigger, so they, they, they cut it in half every few years. <laughs> yes. So there are new Bitcoins being released that are award- awarded to miners. Okay. But when <laughs> new Bitcoins are, are done, so when we've run out of new Bitcoins and we hit that 21 million or close to it, it just transitions to uh, transaction fees so it's kind of a smooth process or should be smooth process um, and those transaction fees would compensate the miners just as these new bitcoins were compensating the miners before
0: so it's a finite amount of 21 million bitcoin yeah where did that number come from like, it's just <laughs> such a random number
1: it was just picked because, <laughs> satoshi
0: man
2: i gotta ask him
1: <laughs> yeah this mysterious creator of bitcoin decided 21 million That's how it. long ago is that uh, 2008, 2008. 2009, right? yeah. So,
2: like, no one really knows who he is still, or if it was a group of people or what?
1: No, a lot of good theories.
2: But is he alive?
1: No one really knows. Do, I don't know. Like, I why doesn't no anyone who
2: know who he is? Does, does anyone know how much Bitcoin that group is holding?
1: Well, the, <laughs> Satoshi's wallet yeah. at the very beginning was he had a miner mm-hmm. and was sending all the contributions of that miner to this one wallet. Oh, jeez. But the wallet has never made a transaction. Really? Now the wallet holds a lot of Bitcoin, but uh I'm blanking on the actual number, but it's it's a it's a it's small a percentage amount. of the whole of the whole twenty-one million.
0: And you can buy like percentages of Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. You can buy ten dollars oh, like, worth
0: of Bitcoin, even yeah. though it's trading at eleven <laughs> yeah. grand or yeah, whatever. There's
1: eight decimal places. Okay. So yeah, you can mm. get very very granular with how much bitcoin you own. What makes it quite easy when, you know, if you want need to buy something for 450, you can actually pay 450 worth of bitcoin. Right. You don't have to send $12,000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and get like Canadian cash back or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys do money back. <laughs> can I get that in 20s.
0: <laughs> is it is it being used as like
1: day-to-day currency yet? Um, yeah, like, across borders, mainly, just because that's where the biggest friction is. Okay. Um, and between people that are really into the industry and some businesses are, you know, making crypto payments because it's easier, it's faster. You see every
2: once in a while, like, businesses will have, like, like, whatever, like, a code or whatever that you can just send them money to, or they accept Bitcoin or whatever. But, like,
1: it's pretty easy. Just go. Here's my address, and that's <laughs> it. Right, it and send, yeah, yeah.
2: What are Bitcoin's uh, transfer fees right now?
1: I guess um, it always depends. <laughs> depends, right? <clears throat> like you can Google it at any point in time and go to blockchain.info, and there's charts for what there's like a lineup of people trying to get transactions through at mm-hmm. a given point in time. And if you're willing to pay a little more, you're going to get yeah, bumped to right. the top of the line, right? So, I mean, right now it should be pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. There's different like upgrades in Bitcoin that have occurred that usually confuse a lot of people and i won't get into but it used to be more expensive now it's less expensive um because of these upgrades and
2: are you talking about like the splits like bitcoin cash and stuff or is that something completely different
1: it's definitely related yeah so basically because of these debates on how to scale bitcoin Mm -hmm. that's where we saw these splits oh i see yeah so like bitcoin cash didn't want the upgrade or some would not consider an upgrade i guess (laughs) um, of the lightning network and the lightning network is basically a blockchain on top of a blockchain so they can package transactions and get a lot more throughput on Trying to make the it more chain.
2: efficient kind of thing?
1: Kind of, yeah. But then people are going, you're, you're taking away from right. the integrity of the main chain system and mm. you're using a, coining a whole nother system. Yeah, now there could be bugs, I don't know. But people are concerned and that's why Bitcoin Cash became a thing. thing. But the Lightning Network has by far taken dominance over mm. any of the forks. Is there
0: security problems with giving out your wallet number, though? Like if I give you... So you're going to e-transfer me some money or something. Mm-hmm. I give you my bank account number. You can't see how much money I have in my bank account. Definitely not. If I no, give you my wallet number, concerning. you can see what is in the wallet, right? In Bitcoin, yes. So if I have a million dollars in Bitcoin sitting in there, you can see it. Mm-hmm. Does that not pose a fairly large threat of security?
1: It can. That's why people will have multiple wallets, they'll Mm. split up funds across multiple smaller wallets, or they will uh, never tell anybody they own said wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If it's like one over the counter transaction or something, or from a miner basically bringing all the Mm. the bitcoins into the wallet. And then that's the only trace is just from this one miner putting it into this wallet. You don't know what country they're in or anything. Um, But if you go Hey, world, send me money or send me Bitcoin at this address. And they look at the address and they're like, whoa, ooh, it's a lot of money there. <laughs> yeah, you kind of put a target on your head <laughs> yeah. or on your wallet, I should say. <laughs> Even like business
0: transactions, if you're getting paid in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. your wallet number's out there. Mm-hmm. How are you giving people your wallet number? Yeah. Over email or like something that is not that secure?
1: <laughs> that is a problem. Um, and company called blockchain.com is a major wallet provider and they create a new wallet address for every single transaction and then mm. basically do all the back end work to like have it in one wallet. But it's almost like a. But the number changes. After yeah. Transaction. So it's almost like that one wallet was just used for that one transaction. And if you were to look into it, you're like, oh, look, that wallet made one transaction ever. Right.
2: Right. Then you have no idea.
0: Right. right. Yeah. Is Bitcoin a long-term currency? I would say it is, yeah. Or is it just the big new first one? No, I guess it's not new. It's 10 years old, but (laughs) it's the biggest one of the first generation of cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Like, Bitcoin is its own beast because it was first and has so much computation power being put into its blockchain and makes it very secure. There's a large network of people that or developers or miners or whatever that have a vested interest in the success of bitcoin and when you have something that big you know it's not going to stop it's not it's not going away tomorrow um and these speculation bubbles will probably just keep continuing to happen
2: so even though there's like coins that are much more efficient and like have lower transactional fees and stuff you don't think any of that will overcome bitcoin
1: no uh, they'll all have their own little niche uses we're seeing like Coins popping up for Mm -hmm. games and coins popping up for little marketplaces over here. And with because it's a digital currency, there are services where I could send literally any coin that is on a major exchange, send it to you, but have it be exchanged at market rate and put in whatever coin that you want to be holding and put into your wallet. So then you can go. Well, I only want to be sent Bitcoin. I'll be like, Well, I have this Dogecoin stuff, yeah. and you'll you'll be like, Well, whatever, just send it to this address. It'll convert it and put it into Bitcoin at the same you know value of Dogecoin to Bitcoin ratio. Okay. If that is if
0: that's true, that you can just convert it. Where is that Bitcoin coming from? Because there's a finite amount.
1: Where is it coming from? Yeah. It'd be coming from a wallet that you have access to you have the private key to and you can sign a transaction to send it somewhere else
0: okay but my question is there's 21 million bitcoin yeah if i send you dogecoin whatever okay. it is i don't know what it it's is. a
1: it's a service there's like is it
0: creating but it it sounds like it's creating new bitcoin no no no, no so no. then where is you're that just trading the value of your dogecoin right but where is that it's, bitcoin coming from it's like that a, you're creating
1: no, no. you're not creating it. You owned it. You bought it on exchange. You had it somehow. Or but you Dogecoin, own for instance. Do-
0: Dogecoin now.
1: Okay, sorry. Going back to the Dogecoin example. <laughs> I already had it. I bought it, or I mined it, or I, I already have this value. I could go to an exchange, exchange it for Bitcoin, and then send that Bitcoin to you. Or there's third parties that just do that without having to talk to anybody. You just send it, You say what you want, and it'll do the transaction, send it to your wallet. Automatically, it's it's a serv- It's a it's an exchange.
0: <laughs> it's like it would be like a bank. Yeah, taking in U.S. Of. money and getting Canadian out.
1: Sure, kind yeah. of no middle
0: kind
2: step. Of? Yeah,
1: no, yeah, that's that's spot on. It's just using another service that would do the conversion.
0: Do you know Do you understand my confusion though? Yeah, I do. If there's only twenty one million, and but I, he's have, not, he's, I have hundred dollars worth own. of Doge coin, yeah. where am I getting the Bitcoin from to but exchange you, the, the it? Doge it has has to the Doge has
2: a value. The Doge is it.
1: buying the Bitcoin.
2: It's like you're essentially you're, yeah, like you're trading it from Canadian for American money. Someone.
1: someone that wants to buy Doge, yeah, right, with Bitcoin. What
0: if no one wants to buy Doge then? Then you can't convert it. Well, then mm-hmm. it wouldn't
1: have a value to begin with. Value drops. No one wants it. Then why does it have a value? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Dogecoin. I love using the example of Dogecoin because Dogecoin is that a real coin? It (laughs) It is a real coin. It was created as a meme coin when Bitcoin was taking off in like 2013 or something. Then it blew up a little bit. It blew up because they they all they basically copy and pasted the public code to create Bitcoin, and they're like, "We can do this too." But they made it a joke, and it was when the Doge meme was you know trending everywhere. And just the thought of a Dogecoin, they created this hype video for it, and it's like this this <laughs> Doge going it. to the moon and stuff. And it, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, and people buy it just as a novelty, I think. They <laughs> they use it. They did use it for like tips and yeah, tipping people, yeah, yeah. but I don't really know how much traction that has.
0: Do you have any Dogecoin, Carl?
2: No, that was one I uh, stayed away from. Not anymore, right? <laughs> no, you converted it. It's
1: all gone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Investing in crypto. Yeah. What do you look for?
1: I look for something that has a real demand for, like a real business demand. Something that could be like built in with existing systems okay. that like just improves them or replaces them. Um, <laughs> or on the complete flip side, there's. Um, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but there's this virtual reality land where you can buy, purchase land. It's like a virtual earth, (laughs) essentially. And you buy virtual land and you can create a virtual business on your virtual land. And there's services where you can get a virtual mortgage on your (laughs) virtual land. So that if your business, I don't know, maybe you're making money, you can pay off your mortgage. (laughs) I I don't know necessarily what the the business model is on that, but... um, yeah, you can you can create like let's say uh, a school for instance. Why are we all going into this really expensive brick and mortar thing? You can put on a VR headset, sit at home in your big comfy chair, and have your teachers stand in front of you and teach, just the way that they would anyway. But right. you save a lot of money. <laughs> but you, I don't yeah, think I'd go to that schools, school either, Yeah. Crap. <laughs> um that's a little uh land that's what it's called is it <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh and it's run God. off a of blockchain the land is and mm-hmm. then the coins that you'd use to purchase are too. oh yeah. that's crazy yeah so no one can ever take your land away from you
0: is there new coins popping up all the time oh yeah anyone can create a coin
1: oh yeah you just need so to get the back like in yeah it's basically like a template at this point So like the Ethereum network was the one that came after Bitcoin and allowed people to like create their own coins like that, like Like, no problem. It's like, here's the template, have at her. (laughs) And people did. And that's how, you know, the 2017, 2018 crypto boom happened. Everyone's like, I've got a coin. I've got a coin. Mine does this. Mine does that. Give me a hundred million dollars and maybe it'll do more things. And then they raise all this money and have all these concerns with regulators and well, some of them might build something cool, but there's a lot that probably won't. And there's also the problem that they raised the money in Ethereum, and then the price of Ethereum dropped, and then all of their planning is, you know, kind of shot when the value is now half. <laughs> you know, you raised fifty million dollars, and now you have twenty-five million. All right, your plans That's are going to change problem. a little bit. Yeah. Is Ethereum still number two? Sorry, is Ethereum still number two? Uh yeah, it should be.
0: Is it not even close though? Bitcoin just kind of rules it right now.
1: It's big difference. Yeah. Bitcoin is Yeah, I'm not gonna throw numbers around right now, but it's like ten times bigger ish, is I'd say. Yeah. Do
0: you see so, it getting to a point where like country money just goes out the window? It doesn't mean anything anymore.
1: Um, it's a tough question. I'd say no, because countries are still gonna want to collect taxes and they're still gonna do it in their own currencies. Um that's and- the issue, right? but what they probably would do is create their own coin, centralize it but have all the abilities of a digital currency. And then every time that my business makes a transaction, they have all I don't the have, Yeah, exactly. I don't have to like send them at my at the end of the right. year my taxes and everything. They'll go, "No, we we know everything you did and you labeled it at the time you did it." So taxes are done
0: <laughs> how much more efficient would that be That's
1: what, I
2: don't yeah. understand like when we talk about like criminals using Bitcoin and stuff, how does that make sense if everything's tracked? Is't that like yeah, how does that work?
1: Well, a lot of criminals didn't know that at the beginning <laughs> the whole silk the whole silk
2: road thing and <laughs> well, all that
1: yeah Ross Albright was the the mastermind mm-hmm. one of the masterminds behind that and uh yeah, he got caught
2: <laughs> is that how it happened they yeah, eventually just
1: traced the Bitcoin yeah they are able to to trace it all back through the different wallets they tried to disguise it but I mean Every transaction is public. You just have to, have to map it out and where everything went. <laughs> How
0: do they know that that specific person owned the wallet? Because... Just
1: follow the money, right? Well, yeah, because it was stolen and basically they knew who owned it or like they knew what Bitcoin was taken right. and it was sent to a new wallet. So they're like, well, that's the stolen, that's the wallet that stole it and they just have to follow all the transactions from that wallet. Mm. Yeah, but there are privacy coins that right. will basically scramble the sender and receiver at the time, and you won't be able to know who owns what, really, ever. Some are more secure than others. Monero being definitely Monero, more secure. Monero, I've heard of that, yeah. yeah.
2: Assuming you can you can buy a Bitcoin, switch it to Monero, send it, and then switch it back.
1: hmm Yep. Shouldn't be advocating for this, but yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> you're not saying you do it, you're just saying it's possible.
1: I'm just saying, yeah. It's, it's smart. It's a, <laughs> The technology's out there. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that idea, actually. I never really thought
0: about that. Just each country and creating their own individual coin. Mm-hmm. So that's trackable.
1: It would be the easiest way to do it. Mm. And Facebook could just you know, embed the USD coin into their app and get all the benefits they were trying to get anyway, right. but not have this monopolistic <laughs> control over the money supply of, that is within Facebook's ecosystem. Why are they
0: creating a coin?
1: There's a lot, a lot of value to it. So you think of what what Facebook does, it's they connect marketers with potential eyes, eyeballs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if they know what you're purchasing, that's very valuable data. Whether or not they'll have full access to the data, I'm sure they would have some access. If they know what you buy, how you buy, what your spending patterns are like, that's really valuable back to the advertisers. Everything
2: everything is about advertising. If you're using their coin then they can
0: track what you're spending on.
1: Possibly. It's, it's not clear exactly how private this platform will be, um, but yes, it, they could easily build it that way. So it's like, oh, maybe don't show this guy bike ads because he bought one three months ago, right? <laughs> like, It could be really helpful, but it's also kind of creepy. Totally, <laughs> yeah. Does that bug you? The privacy stuff? No, because the... like Wait, bug me how? Like it being not private.
2: How oh, like advertisers know everything about you? Yeah. Oh. like
0: I Google barbecue at Home Depot and then 30 seconds later I have a Facebook ad that is right in the
1: front of my Facebook feed. I found it a lot creepier until I just fully understood it all. Yeah. And it's just this Facebook, you know, pixel that's tracking you around and you know, you just have to know to use a browser that's not gonna allow you to be followed around and the browser extensions that prevent any ads and anybody else following you around but yeah it is it's creepy but to the average person it's it's a benefit to a business and it's a benefit to the average person so in aggregate it's it's better it's just kind of creepy sometimes (laughs) (laughs) do any more questions
0: on crypto carl
2: i was gonna say we were talking about like blockchain and stuff so we know all these cryptocurrencies like coins and stuff but what else can blockchain be used for is blockchain used for other crypto as well
1: Yes. Is it all so, crypto blockchain? Yes. Yeah, It is.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this Shigatoshi whatever guy. Yeah. Is that what his name is? Yeah. It's Satoshi. Okay. Yeah, I just made that up. <laughs> There's a baseball player named Shigatoshi Hasegawa. And that's how I just came up with that. Anyway. Uh, this guy created Bitcoin. Yep. Well, he created, created blockchain. Created blockchain to host Bitcoin, basically to trade bitcoin. Well, you needed bitcoin. to
1: create this blockchain system in order for bitcoin to ever be able to exist. So it's kind of the blockchain needed to come first and he's like, "Well, let's put a unit of value on it." Right.
2: <laughs> and then that's bitcoin.
1: Yeah. And then other currency was created to be on this platform as well.
2: They just copy the blockchain.
1: They 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 create their own blockchain. Okay. So after Bitcoin, Bitcoin's coding language is a little more complex than most people would be able to pick up really quickly and build something on. Okay. Um, but you can build something on Bitcoin's platform. It's way more difficult. Like an app, for instance, that does something else. Okay. Like there's a there's a gambling app that was that is built on Bitcoin. It's called Satoshi Spin. <laughs> and literally, you just kind of send money to this wallet address, hit spin, and maybe you'll get more sent, or maybe maybe you won't. But you can prove. You can prove the odds. You can look into the code and be like, oh, okay, I understand that the house only has a two percent, you know, benefit, which is you know, worlds apart from your average casino. A two percent edge hilarious. on the casino would be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So but that's one use. Yeah, so that's one use. The, Games, you know, a unit of value that can be exchanged. Okay. Very very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I'd say data would be the next most clear use for so like hospital
2: chain. records, documents, stuff like that? Sure.
1: That yeah, that could be applicable. Um is anything... anyone using the, it currently for that though? Oh yeah. There. Oh yeah, definitely. There's I mean there's a platform called Storage, S T-O-R-J. <laughs> <laughs> um that it decentralizes the excess storage on your computer. And you could be giving up, you know, gigabytes of data and you know someone on the other side of the world can be renting it. But in Whoa. a decentralized way, and you're only holding like a little shard of the data. And then when they try to pull the data together, all these shards come back to create what they're trying to pull. So it's very secure. Insane. Your computer has an encrypted shard of data, which obviously you're not going to have any value for. You're not going to want to try to decrypt. And just, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have full access ever. Mm-hmm. And that's a use that isn't necessarily a currency, but you do have to use this platform's embedded currency to pay for that service, which then creates a demand for that coin. The developers of that coin hold on to a small supply at the beginning so that as the demand picks up, their equity, so to speak, goes up in this coin, and then they can sell it on the on the market and you know cash out in a way that isn't necessarily a uh, um, an IPO or, mm-hmm. or like a big equity sale like a, you know, private company would. Very different.
2: <laughs> Do you think the cloud is eventually mm-hmm. going to run on blockchain?
1: Um, <laughs> that's a funny question because the cloud really is just, you know, it's a data center. It's right, a server, it's right? right? right, right. So and blockchain is like a distributed server. So they're kind of just like two different types of cloud. There's
2: no connection. Right, I see.
1: And then purely in a yeah in a true sense blockchain is really the only cloud when you consider google the cloud well no they're just a data center that called themselves you know this cloud of whatever cloud even means yeah. that they're just providing yeah. you know a basic service of your database and servers <laughs> don't you look confused <laughs> this is a lot carl this is a lot <laughs> I like this though. I, I see the like slight mind blown a little bit in the back that of That was eyes. insane.
2: The, ge- the yeah. gears are oh, working.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. how You can store stuff on other people's computers and it just gets like spread but, out across. Yeah. That's insane.
2: So you're storing it on multiple computers right? Yep. Which makes it super super safe.
1: And then you can program it so that there's redundancies in place. Maybe every shard has actually copied three shards so then if there's ever a complication <sighs> then you know you'd still be able to pull it together and there's so many different ways that technology can be built, and the fact that our money is not digital, real like as me it is digital, and the fact that we send e-transfers, but it's really not mm-hmm. because we're it's all these companies that are really doing it, and they're just moving numbers around. That's that's exactly like I've talked to you about this, right?
2: Yeah. Like I have whatever. Like you go on online, online banking, you go to your savings account, you have this much money. What does that mean? Isn't it just a number on this website? Like is there like you can't go to the bank and pull out that money in cash? right like well okay you that's you, the idea is
1: okay a bank only has to hold a fraction of the oh. deposits in reserve so if everybody at a bank tried to pull out everything they owned there wouldn't be enough for everybody and that's called a bank run and it's a big issue mm. <laughs> and there's you know some things in place to try to prevent that like mm-hmm. uh here in canada we have this deposit insurance um, at every bank, up to a hundred thousand dollars is secured by the Canadian government. Um, but after that, let's say you have a million dollars and the bank goes under, well, here's your hundred grand. Goodbye, nine hundred thousand. You know, that's the way the game works. <laughs> so It would be like an exchange going under. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But an exchange you hope isn't doing fractional <laughs> reserve banking and right up the top taking your ninety percent. <laughs> Looking at you, RBC. <laughs> um. Yeah, and here in Canada, I don't think it's actually ten percent. It would be a little bit higher. Of, I thought it was uh, twenty for some reason. It could be closer to yeah. twenty. In the U.S., it was you know around ten during oh, really the, like when the time of the financial crisis. I think it was around ten too. So it's it's a high leverage zone <laughs> where you can get a lot of growth out of if you are running at ten percent fractional reserve banking, but it's a little riskier. But I mean,
2: those numbers are just the bank ledger, right? Yeah. There's nothing backing them really.
1: Yep. Well, and then there's there's loans that they're giving out. So right. they're Creating more money right on top of it but like that money like they just have this money in the bank and then they write a loan well that lo- that money never existed before it's just kind of a stake on this like pool <laughs> that they hold on to that they never owned any of to begin with now a credit union they do have to hold uh, one one rules. to one yeah the same amount which is why
2: you know people you don't, don't see them as much or they're smaller right
1: Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they don't necessarily have the leverage to really dig in and make some more profits off their lending, but they are a little more safe and they will actually hold all of your assets for you and not not do this fractional stuff.
0: <laughs> Can you explain decentralization? Okay. Cuz everyone yeah, throws that word around like everyone knows what it means, but I don't know if anyone or I don't know if most people actually understand what Danny it, doesn't decentralization know what it means. means. I get the idea. I haven't done that much research and I am in no way whatsoever a blockchain expert.
1: Okay. So pure decentralization is very difficult. It requires basically building the perfect system that incentivizes every group of people to participate in the way that needs to be participated for it to sustain for a long period of time. Okay. You know, Bitcoin is a good example. All it does is this simple, you know, keep track of who owns what. But there's this pool of miners and nodes and developers and all these people that all have this interest in the success of Bitcoin. And together, this network can succeed. But without one of these aspects, if there's like a really big software bug in the code, well, that could could just destroy everything. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what that would look like. I'm not, you know... Like I'm technical, but I'm not necessarily a blockchain developer. Um, so I don't know what that bug would look like, but I know it is possible. <laughs> but that being said, there's a lot of people checking everything that happens before it gets deployed. Because there's so many people with this interest in it. And before a software upgrade gets implemented, the miners basically get to say they can choose oh, to so mine. They decide, eh? Yeah, so it's like oh. it's like a fully Decentralized network is like a fully democratic platform mm-hmm. where everybody that can contribute anybody can you know plug into anybody can compensate or get be compensated, yeah. pay, paid from it or yeah it's difficult to do though so <laughs> a lot of platforms will say decentralized but be pretty centralized until they're established enough to actually try to do it but it's pretty difficult
2: but like being decentralized, like at the most basic, basic level, it's just Denny being able to send money to you and have no third person interference, right?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's lots of services out there that are really just software, but this service is a company and they take all your information and hold on to that information. Mm-hmm. Well, if I could cut them out and just use the software, right. I would prefer to do that. Right. Yeah, so I like to think like I worked for a small stint at you know Sun Life with a financial advisor, mm-hmm. and the amount of paperwork and forms <laughs> and just BS that you have to like collect. I can imagine, dude. But it's the same for every person, and this person has this information somewhere. If they just had you know a digital representation of it somewhere, and they can just go send all of these records, like, boop 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 boop, send. It could be like a view only to just this one person or sent right to head office and there isn't this advisor in the way ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the advisor and then there's the advisor's assistant and they get all this information. <laughs> they have to put it into a little locked little cabinet. <laughs> has to be you know properly labeled and the door. needs to be locked on the office at all times. So and crazy, and then yeah. if anything goes wrong, they nail the advisor for not doing the job right. So it's like the advisor just has this constant paperwork, you know, admin headache. Of collecting signatures and verifications and, and approvals and just when it most of it could be just check boxes saying yep there's my i'll use my wallet to sign off but this is me all right am i approved for my insurance yet
2: <laughs> 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 so you're saying there's a lot of
1: potential behind blockchain <laughs> oh when well, when you realize how much money the insurance companies make <laughs> yeah if you actually completely got rid of the company and just put the service of insurance in there it'd be a fraction of the cost and we would all be able to be insured for you know life and health or critical illness and all this stuff that, that you know, probably, probably like half or less there's no employees or anything it's just i pay money to put in a pool and if i get critically injured you pay me the blunt sum you agreed to pay me i don't want anything else in the way <laughs> maybe just the doctor saying I'm critically injured or whatever, some sort of verification of, you know, it's true. But Mm. after that, we don't need all of these other third parties and people in the way holding data. The advisors have to hold the data. They have to legally. (laughs) Is there
0: any flaws in the blockchain? And where I'm going with this is, is this the long-term system that's going to be used or is, someone right now understanding how blockchain works and building a better, more decentralized, you know, whatever, a better system.
1: Okay, so one thing I should make clear, a blockchain is almost always gonna be more expensive than just a normal database. Okay. Because you have all these parties in place and that need to be compensated. Now, and a database is cheap, it's just a computer saying, yeah, I'm online, that's the information I'll send send it back to you, um, th- that's cheap. And for most services, you want fast and cheap and the security and the privacy and all that or whatever, it's like, well, I don't, I don't really care. I'm on Craigslist at the moment. I right. don't need this to be running on a blockchain in the right. slightest. But when it gets to that next step, the one little component where you need maybe multiple people with access to the same data or a currency aspect where you need to make a payment and you don't want to have to embed you know, Stripe and then Stripe takes the three percent fee. And then Stripe is then working with Visa, and then Visa now has to work with the banks. It's like, whoa, now there's already five parties in my transaction again. I just want to send from A to B. <laughs> so yes, it is the uh it is a system that will augment and help, but it won't replace. Um it'll replace the most important pieces of data that need to be transferred between parties, Correct. or for little currency uses, but it's and you know, a company's always going to choose the cheapest, fastest option that's going to please the most customers. Right. And I mean, if you look at the whole Facebook things that happened over the last few years, people don't really care about their privacy. The amount of people that changed their no, privacy settings so. after you know all the the Facebook stuff happened is it's still not that many. If People looked and were like, eh, eh. <laughs> whatever it's public anyway I kind of thought it was public already
0: <laughs> so be it <laughs> so it's not going to be like a day-to-day use thing it's going to be a higher scale thing
1: it depends what you're doing but um yeah I'd say if you're an artist you might have your song on a blockchain to prove that you own it and mm. then people can purchase the rights from from you and track it on a blockchain you can you know, there's. There's not another parties in place selling it that you know of and if they are you can go look there it is i made it it's on the blockchain at this point in time and you were selling it after this point in time so therefore you stole it (laughs) yeah so there's like lots of little uses but even that artist probably won't even know it's a blockchain doing it it's just gonna be this cool app that pays them a little bit more than their other services that you know spotify or whatever else they could be getting paid from right yeah and that goes for just about anything that is um, an asset that you own you need to claim a right to or data that you own and you want to be able to have access to or give access to but have it still be secure or yeah there's lots of lots of use cases supply chain that's a big one being able to track like wow the, that'd be huge being yeah. able to track oh, the car wait. part from you know that goes in your car and then something goes bad and then they can Oh, yeah, you got the bad car part in your car. Just letting you know, it's gonna blow probably soon. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And there's no way that you can like mess it,
2: fuck with it, essentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as it's inputted correctly and it's there forever. As long as there's a network of miners maintaining it, there's this history of it. Which also creates a different problem that we haven't necessarily addressed yet, which is what happens 100 years from now. And there's just so much data right. that's on this chain from so right. long ago. How they they purge it eventually? I don't know, but um, these systems only live in place for a maximum of 10 years, so we only have 10 years worth of data on them. Which is nothing. Yeah, what happens after 60 years? I don't know, but probably something a software update could hopefully help.
0: As it gets more and more common for businesses and people to use it, does that mean you need more and more miners? Or is this quantum computer thing, idea?
1: Okay, so you would get more miners mm-hmm. because as more people are using it the price is going up sure. and as the price is going up the incentive to it. be right. mining is going up and the only incentive has some oh is 10% a month good for you you know 20% how far does it have to go before you turn on your device to you know become part of the network and try to uh, earn some bitcoin now i'm guessing you don't have a specialized mining device because it moved well beyond the CPUs and GPUs that most people would be able to know to really specialized hardware. But GPUs, so like a graphics card, can be used for um, other platforms like Ethereum.
2: Oh, uh, I see.
1: So blockchain doesn't use it anymore? Graphics cards? Sorry? So like
2: you don't use uh, graphics cards to mine Bitcoin right now? Bitcoin, no. Oh. So
1: Bitcoin, it got to a point where when you're mining, it's just a game between how much you know energy or how much power can you output how much electricity does it take right. to output all that power right. and the better the ratio the more money you're <laughs> going to make um so they're always you know innovating at the very beginning it was supposed to be every cpu and every anybody's computer can basically mine bitcoin but because it's always competitive and the fastest will be more likely to get the reward it gets to a point where the more efficient hardware makes Basically, you're trying to use your CPU a waste of money because you're spending more on electricity than you would get in return. Yeah. So it's like there's this always balancing effect happening that it's just incentive based. It's pretty clear. You know, you want to make more money? Well, get into the right time. <laughs> or what percent will it take? You know, is it five percent, six percent? Will you become a miner? Seven percent. And at every stage you'll get more people. So And then it balances back out to zero, or whatever it would be. Mm -hmm. Whatever is the natural equilibrium for the market.
2: And then the more miners, the lower the transaction fees and all, like that kind of follows with it. Or is that completely separate?
1: Completely separate. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's a finite amount of information that can go in every 10 minute block. Okay. Yeah. And that was one of the debates from one of the prior forks Mm -hmm. is like, make the blocks really big so you can fit tons of data and the other ones make them more efficient so that you're using less data in a smaller block um yeah they both have i guess they both work in a in some way shape or form <laughs> um the bitcoin cash ended up going to like 125 megabyte blocks or something whereas bitcoin at the time was like one megabyte <laughs> so yeah it's kind of there's so many different like ways that you can innovate. And when two people have two different ideas on how solving a problem, well, in, in blockchain, they could both just take their own direction and have their own miners supporting their own truth and then create their own chain. So that's what happened. And now we have two coins. Or <laughs> three and four. There's tons of forks. Wow. <laughs> but there's only one main Bitcoin. the The main chain kept going on. It held its name. You know, Bitcoin <laughs> and uh, it's being upgraded on the lightning network so that fees are dropping to, you know, near zero and uh, super fast. You know to wait 10 minutes for it to be um, verified. It'd be in seconds. Wow. Yeah. The transactions are verified in seconds? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But this is like the network on top of the network. Yeah. But I think that was before way up here in level six. I think now we're at like level three, level four. We're getting there. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to quantum computing eventually.
2: (laughs) I I don't know where to go from here, man. I have one more question that I want to talk. So like when there's like the bull runs going on and all that stuff, people like pull out graphs and predictions and charts. How much do you actually look into that? Or is that all bullshit?
1: (laughs) I actually think the graphs and charts hold way more validity than any of the other, like, qualitative metrics. Really, eh? Um, Mainly because it works in stocks, not Mm -hmm. because the stock is good. It's because it's human nature. And humans are trading it. Bots are trading it, too. But (laughs) humans are trading these cryptocurrencies. And when they see a trend, they'll jump in on the trend. And when the trend switches, they'll jump off the trend. And we've seen it in Bitcoin few times now where we have a huge trend one way and everyone go oh shit <laughs> a huge trend the other way <laughs> and it's probably going to continue doing that <laughs>
2: 2017 was tough guys for carl <laughs> for a lot of people
1: <laughs>
0: what was it up to it was like over 20 one thousand, right that's the pretty highest. close
1: to it yeah right. depends which exchange
2: you're looking at <laughs> right right all the little variations Yep. isn't that wild and then went down to what, two and a half? And like, it went down to
0: 2,500.
1: Yeah. Uh, close to it, not quite that low. No, not it was that like 3,500. I just kind of went it dropped down to and uh, bounced right back. And we've seen this trend before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't tell people to buy or not to buy. I just kind of tell them it's been around for quite a few cycles before and mm-hmm. uh, there's likely to be more. <laughs> Hold on for dear life, right? Yeah, that's what they say. So <laughs> hodl, hodl, your coins. Where do you get all your knowledge from? Um, I don't know. Uh, a range of various sources. Mm. I weasel myself into, you know, Discord and chat groups and stuff and hardly compensate anything, but just absorb whenever there's, mm-hmm. you know, good stuff being shared. I, I created a Bitcoin club at UVic back when I was in university. So I kind of like uh, created my own little group and now we, that's still live. We chat. Um, I've connected with quite a few blockchain people throughout the last couple of years. How, that's how LinkedIn. I found you.
2: Cause you were hosting that event in Vancouver. I okay, found you yeah. through Eventbrite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Do so yeah. you
2: do a lot of things like that? Yeah. I just mean, I'm sharing information and learning as much as
1: you can. I, I mean, I'm still pretty young. I'm just kind of having fun, but, uh, starting to transition into something that's a little more long term in terms of like a longer term contracts and gigs mm-hmm. um, because i've been doing a lot of like yeah an event or mm-hmm. speaking gig or i teach someone and then they know it and it's like okay well i guess i'm done here <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah where do i get my knowledge from yeah it's all these different sources all the time and now on LinkedIn, whenever I go through LinkedIn, half of it's crypto stuff and some of it's news, some of it's just BS stuff that gets shared. You get really good at filtering out the BS stuff. Like anything that has to do with the price swing, it's literally like, get out of here. Why? That's not news. The price of something moved today, everyone. Announcement. What? No. <laughs> See that on Reddit a lot. <laughs> yeah. And people just like literally make posts about Bitcoin went up four thousand dollars today. Should you be interested in it? It's like no get out of here like, <laughs> um but else? Me- uh, medium articles is really helpful mm-hmm. um if you can create like uh, a network of people on um twitter mm-hmm. like find all the good people that share interesting information and basically across all of these different sources i kind of just have my finger on the pulse of like, so many different things and because it's decentralized they're there isn't a media outlet, or right. not yet at least, that's like, this is the media outlet for everything. It's kind of just everyone all trying to pull as many factors in as possible to come to conclusions. Yeah. Wild. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I think I'm like full of information. <laughs> that's maybe. a little too much, eh? <laughs> <laughs> a
1: little more so, technical, a little more deep, educational. Than, can you give us a recount, Jenny, of what great. you learned? No. Yeah, Danny, no. what's uh what's a blockchain? How does it function?
0: Uh <laughs> just listen to the podcast. <laughs> I got nothing else, Carl. What do you got?
2: No, we I think we covered pretty much
0: everything. <clears throat> that was a lot. That was good. In a short amount of time. That was only an hour. That was a lot of information. Holy shit. Takes like, a while to digest. I'm gonna have to listen a few times, I think.
2: <laughs> but like what I'm learning, like it's all so new, eh? Like not a lot of people know really what's going on. Like well, you said, everyone contributes a little bit. Like this whole sharing of ideas, and you go you go from there, right?
1: Well, there's the people that are really into it, and they like don't really see the light of day.
2: <laughs> Who, who's that Greek guy? That very popular Greek guy that always talks about. He was on Joe Rogan a few times, Antonopoulos or something.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Antonopoulos is a very, very well known educator in the space. Okay. Um, he was actually quite, quite like me at the beginning in the sense that he did all these little gigs and education things and then, you know, realized that doesn't really have steady work. And then <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and he ended up creating a Patreon page. And then he had all of these different supporters and he's making like $60,000 a year or more in just donations, which wow. is amazing. And that's kind of what the crypto community is all about. It's all about this information and these influencers that can come up from just sharing good information. Um, but Antonopoulos, he, he wrote a book and he's been... Displayed across the media outlets a few times. Oh there. yeah, yeah.
2: That's the guy you should check out, Danny. I'm going to. I wrote it down. I think it was Joe Rogan a few times. You know how to spell really?
1: it? It's pretty difficult. Uh, You'll find yeah. it. Maybe. Andreas Antonopoulos. Andreas. Andreas. Okay. Yeah.
2: That should be
0: easy to find on Joe Rogan. Okay. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> well, I'm serious. I'm excited to listen back because as you are in the conversation i'm probably only picking up on like 10% of what we're actually talking about <laughs> just cuz there's so many things and my brain will stop and just be like what did he just say?
2: But well, you keep talking. You kind of get hung <laughs> up on it, right? Trying totally. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, i've uh i hired a videographer to film like educational courses. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's like started out just going through the content and then he just just turned into him, and him asking questions we're like, "Wait. Wait, really?" Yeah. Wait, that's how it works? Wait, explain that more." And it just completely went conversational after that. He <laughs> was just like no, that doesn't make sense. No, I can not No, it can't work that way. There's got to be something verifying it or <laughs> how do they
0: get paid? Listen with that. Where can like the average people go to to learn more or how to invest, etc.
1: Um, well, I mean my biased opinion would be my website, <laughs> <laughs> which is KoiResearchGroup.com
2: Okay. Yeah. We'll have all that posted to the show notes. Sure. Thanks.
1: Or blockwise.ca. We broke the site yesterday, but I mean, hopefully most people who listen to this will be live by then. <laughs> um, yeah, and medium articles there's just the there's best so source. much information, yeah you could like,
0: go down a YouTube
1: rabbit hole for days. You can, you definitely can. I think I did the the Wikipedia rabbit hole where you're like, you get like a sentence in, you're like, oh jargon, click, (laughs) and you get a sentence in, you're like, oh jargon, click, and then you have to backtrack like seven, eight, ten different articles before you realize like, okay, I think I get it. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. That's how I started. A lot of terminology. Get the terminology Mm -hmm. down because the terminology will help like cement your understanding of an article. Like if you don't know what a smart contract is, and an article is talking about a smart contract, well, you should probably learn about what it is first. <laughs> smart contract is a car- contract that executes on its own and is run on a blockchain.
2: Ethereum came up with that first, right? Sorry, was that Ethereum first
1: that made smart contracts? Yeah. So like the when everyone was creating coins, they were using a smart contract to create it. Yeah, that's the level four. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to seven
2: one day. Get around two or something.
1: Oh, not many people come back once they make it to, to seven. They're just so deep into just the like Scientology hole. <laughs> you become a pure decentralist. Yeah. Start well, going to live your on government a boat. Yeah. <laughs> rioting. What are governments saying? The Canadian government has been really friendly. Yeah. Um, basically, they understand the, the you know, powers of it, they don't mm-hmm. want to stifle innovation. They know that we have a lot of cool things being built that they don't want to shoot down. Um it's the securities commissions that are having the hardest time with it. So the BCSC here locally. Um yeah, there's I mean it's it's all different to them. So they literally had to go through a full learning curve before they can even start to wrap their head around it to make regulations. Right. So I think sorry, what was the question? <laughs> what is what a government yeah, What a government it? saying. Yeah. Um and then there's governments that are afraid of it definitely because it completely it's a separate monetary system that can separate their country from their country's power over their currency and their people taxes obviously too right if everyone is using a you know online money and it's not easy to really know or track everybody then how do you prove that they owe a certain amount of taxes or if they're evading it or if they are evading it and you know they're evading it how do you take it from them before they just oh seize your bank account, Done. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, are they excited about the opportunity to potentially start their own coins
1: though? Governments are never really excited <laughs> um, change,
0: <laughs> but how much easier yeah, how much easier would taxes be and stuff like that?
1: It would be a breeze, it would yeah. be nice, but it's a big system that right. no one necessarily is going to spearhead right. that I know of right. um, or maybe someone is trying to spearhead it, but then getting it to the people in charge like. Look, it's this digital system. It takes care of everything. Like, what about the bugs? You know, and just like, the well, amount of money that
2: you're dealing with, right? Yeah,
1: just, you know. yeah, it's a big red flag, and they prefer to avoid those.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah, but the first countries that do set the precedent, like, look into Estonia. I'd say that's a great place to start for what a for w- what a government can do to really help their citizens and businesses by implementing blockchain technologies. Estonia already currently doing it oh big time way ahead so they have their own coin worlds ahead um no they don't i don't think so they don't have their own coin but they have uh, digital identities for oh, all the sure. citizens and businesses and, oh that's cool and, yeah a lot easier nice I've got some
0: research to do tonight carl <laughs> i know thanks a lot for coming on the show man that was
1: yeah, a thanks for inviting me Hopefully a little bit mind-blowing but you digest some fun. over the, the next
2: few weeks or something <laughs> totally i'll have to listen to it a couple times this was much needed though because we 100%. always we always talk about blockchain and it always comes up you always hear it it's in the news come in up about like
0: five or six or even more
1: it's relevant to real estate
0: totally <laughs> yeah maybe people just started trading
2: bitcoin yeah realtor coin <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe i'll start my own coin kyle creative vancouver real estate coin all right let's get out of here Cheers. Thanks, Chase. Yeah, I, uh, for me. that was fucking knowledgeable. That was a lot of info. I don't even know what to say. It <laughs> <laughs> was a lot.